He's almost 10. He's almost 10. <laughs> 10 and three quarters. Or nine, nine and three and quarters. Th- oh. Uh. Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? My name is Luke. And I'm Emma. And today we're looking at Chapter 3 of Assassin's Apprentice, Covenant. Yes. And Covenant meaning Shrewd's Covenant with Fitz? Or do you think there are multiple meanings? It's um, basically a, a binding promise, a formal agreement. Right. I mean, yeah, probably. I kind of looked through the chapter a little bit and I didn't see any other ones that made sense, but... Quick spoiler alert, this is where we meet King Shrewd. (laughs) The opening paragraphs of this is talking about the skill again. Yes. And where it comes from. And the out-islanders again. And we touched on that a lot last episode. Yes. But I do want to say that the first line in this is that the original source of the skill will probably remain forever shrouded in mystery. And I think that's true throughout the whole series. We have some ideas of where it came from, and I know the fool at one point says that he thinks the dragons were involved in giving it, and that's one of our main thoughts on that, too. Yeah. Um, But as far as I remember, the actual origins or the reasons for it don't appear anywhere in the details. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that um, it says that uh, well, it, I guess it says when the sea blood flows with the blood of the plains, the skill will blossom and then talks about how out islanders and um, people who descended from the original people living on in the six duchies um, don't have skill. It's just people who are born. Uh, with both bloodlines so yeah. that's cool and you can definitely see where that comes about in the royal line specifically then because mm-hmm. taker came over he was the ruler and he was an out islander so he married and had children with people of the land there and that continued to happen and before the blood got too diluted the leaders of that land the mm-hmm. six duchies of taker's bloodline had to remarry back into the out islands as political marriages and then yeah it was mentioned before that they did that multiple times, so they kept kept strengthening that back and forth and kept the bloodline of those two mixed fairly strong, so you can see where that skill remains strong in the royal bloodline. Because mm-hmm. I don't think any of the normal people of the Six Duchies or the Out Islands are going to be mingling with each other too much in general, but uh, the well, leaders have a reason to do so. Yeah. I think there could be little bits where like we know that they're raider the out islanders are raiders so there could be some illegitimate children from that definitely um which would be why some people that aren't royal at all have the skill oh 100 percent. we know that there's other people that pop up along the six duchies mm -hmm. i'm just yeah yeah it's it's explainable while why the royal line has more skill users that are prevalent yeah and we get into a little introduction again to where we left off where fitz had just lost nosy Mm -hmm. and uh, an utter loneliness had set into his bones and into his life and it starts off with him getting back in a rhythm and getting back to a boy's life yeah following burek around dogging his steps (laughs) There's a paragraph here uh, where he kind of goes over everything that he's lost that we have pretty much went over the last two episodes. He was separated from his mother, dragged off to a new city and climate, abandoned by his father to the care of his man, and then bereft of his puppy companion. And did you notice that it's separated from his mother and abandoned by his father? Yes. Yeah. That was fully removed, and then yeah, yeah. So he doesn't put blame on his mom, even like though he's upset with her enough to give her memories away. He still doesn't blame her, 
she didn't abandon him. Right. So I don't know. I liked that. Well, I don't know that I like that his mom was, you know, he had to be separated from his mom, but yeah. And a little bit later, there's something I want to go back to, but a little bit later we have a list of Burek's losses in that time as well. And I felt like they mirrored each other. At least those paragraphs mirrored each other a little bit as uh, looking back, I suppose he was as lonely as I. Chivalry had not allowed Burek to follow him to his exile. Instead, he had been left to care for a nameless bastard and found that the bastard had a penchant for what he regarded as a perversion. And he, his leg injury and everything like that explains. I felt like they mirrored one another in this. And it just kind of compounds in the last line of that section. It says, Locked into loneliness were we too, and looking at one another every evening, we each saw the one we blamed for it. That's really sad. And Beer kept him really busy. He only got to see Molly and his other friends once every few months, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. When he could sneak away. Yeah, when he could sneak away, or Beer got too drunk, or got called away on an errand, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And as time passed, they kind of got used to that, and Fitz kind of fit into Burek's life as an errand boy, as a helper. Yeah. And they came to depend on one another. Yeah, and Fitz was really good at knowing what Burek needs before he asks for it, and just generally you know, doing what he's supposed to, finding his role. It is really sad that he doesn't really form attachments at all. Says there were other children in the keep about his own age, but he never really plays with them, gets to know them at all or anything like that. And he never had any real bonds with anything or anyone. He does. He does note that the children, most of the children were not mean. They weren't cruel to him. Just simply outside of his circle, basically. And we get a little description of the Queen and Regal. Ugh, yeah. (laughs) Saying that the Queen always found fault with Fitz at some point or other. And then used that as an excuse to reprimand Burek, which is so not okay. I mean, I... Queen's the worst. She is. I just don't understand why she hates Fitz that much. Like, I mean, I get that maybe it threatens her son's, like line to the throne but i just it makes me frustrated that she's has this much animosity towards a a little kid like i think it's still a link to chivalry and verity because chivalry finally stepped out and regal could step in because she views them as nobly superior to the actual princes and then Fitz is there just kind of being recognized by the crown and further dirtying their reputation maybe mm. I'm not sure the queen is just very hateful yeah. <laughs> in general and raised her son in the same way because <laughs> it says Regal has finally uh, filled out he's grown up he's about 21 years old now mm. by my estimate and it says that he's very vindictful and petty and would just like push through whatever this nine slash 10 year old child found to play with and (laughs) and also is shoving him out of the way like dude you're a 20 year old 21 year old twice his age yeah (laughs) maybe chill on pushing children like (laughs) oh i don't know grow up maybe yeah but we do get a nice contrast in the next few lines verity comes back and is not always like super kind to him or anything like that but he he's always pleasant and he also sends fits a toy multiple toys multiple toys a toy yeah. set they're not new though they're used toys yeah but they're probably his toys yeah he said he found them in a closet somewhere which is cute but i thought it was just interesting that he doesn't like really go out of his way to give fits too much he just gives him like little things that don't co- I don't know you know 
I still, I think he went out of his way to give him those toys, or they were Chivalry's toys, mm-hmm. um, yeah. or Chivalry told him to give those <laughs> toys because we know that they had letters back and forth. Yeah. Patience had some of those letters when we meet her later, mm-hmm. and it says that there was a message from Verity that said he had found them in a corner of his clothing chest and thought he might en- that Fitz might enjoy them, which. Yeah. Is a complete lie. Right. You're not going to have old toys in the corner of a clothing chest if you're the king in waiting. And you're not going to find them and like, oh, hey, I'll send this to the, <laughs> this kid down in the stables. True. Also, I, I bet he had to look for him. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But it also says that uh, I cannot think of any other possession I ever valued more. Yeah. Because he really respects Verity. I mean. I think he, that's his only gift that he's gotten ever. A toy. Yeah. I think I mean, it's his first toy. Yeah. At least that we know of. That because we, know we don't of, know, yeah. you know, his life before this. But yeah. Yeah. And he gets, I don't know, it's really sad that nobody's given him at least a toy before this. He's, you know, you would think that you would, the one of the first things you would do is like, oh, how do I keep a kid busy? Right. A toy. <laughs> uh, run, run around with the dogs. Yeah. Eat some meat. <laughs> Uh, we get Cobb as another danger zone in here, and yeah. there's a lot of resentment and jealousy directed at Fitz through this whole chapter. Yeah. From multiple sources, Cobb, Regal, there's a couple other people later in the chapter mm-hmm. who show up. And well, with Cobb, with Cobb, I kind of understand, because he does, it does say he feels like Fitz is... He's kind of stepping in his yeah. place. Yeah. And that would be hard. I mean, he's only a few years older than Fitz. He's right. like four years older or something. And he's never overtly cruel. So at least he's not, you know, acting like the 21 year old that's shoving right. Fitz <laughs> right. out of his path. Yeah, he's just a boy. He wants Burek as a father figure as well and yeah. wants that more direct tutelage and mm-hmm. care from Burek, and I feel like what's been described in this chapter so far, Fitz became Burek's right-hand man and did all of his fetching and always mm-hmm. was by his side. So yeah, I can definitely see Cobb feels pushed out a little yeah. bit. But also, um, at the end of the paragraph talking about Cobb, um, Fitz says, but I could sense his distaste for me and avoided him. And I think he senses a lot about people in here. Yeah. Um, Another evidence of the wit that he's kind of unconsciously using. Yes. He understands it a little bit more now, and it's mentioned a couple times that he's kind of aware of what he's doing, but at the same time, he doesn't try to control it at all. He just does it. Yeah, it's just a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And this is where the uh, the men at arms and the soldiers come in. He's Fitz is very comfortable around them, but Burek disapproves of him going there. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting that he never forbids Fitz from going there. He just doesn't like it. And Which is kind of curious to me because Burek was a sol- soldier. He is a soldier. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if since he's taking a direct... He's taking over direct tutelage of Fitz. He doesn't want them to be around uh, rowdy people who don't have the best of manners. Or if it's just well, he doesn't think that somebody of the royal blood should be mingling with them. No, because Verity mingles with them. And I don't think Burek thinks Verity's lesser. Oh, right. I feel like maybe there might be some resentment harbored between uh, Burek and the men-at-arms because Burek can't be a soldier anymore True. he can't be one of them anymore and i'm sure that we know later for sure that they're talking bad about him so i mean i just maybe he just doesn't he's angry at them you know it's one of those things like when something's taken away from you and you just like you feel anger and you don't know where to place it so maybe he some of his anger is at the soldier's for because he can't do that anymore and so i feel like maybe that's more why he doesn't want Fitz, and that's why he's not really like telling him he can't go in there because he knows that Fitz should learn something from them but yeah and maybe it is also because they're all rowdy and aren't really the best 
um, people to be around if you're a child. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he does say that for every hour he spent with them, there were multiple days he didn't go back. So he, he was kept very busy with Birik doing random chores and then at night not talking and just watching him, watching Birik put together poultices, stitching, harnesses, saddles, making medicine for the animals, that sort of thing. Right. And he learned a lot. This happened for two years and a better part of a third. Mm-hmm. So from about six and a half, he's now just about 10 years old. Yeah. And we get the next big section here where he's playing in the Great Hall. It's after a, a big feast or something like that. And I'm just rereading this. I'm just reminded that Buckkeep is a backwater fortress. <laughs> they really don't have nice amenities for anything because there's still a bunch of food on all the tables. Right. None of it was cleaned up. There are dogs that picked up scraps from the tables and are eating in the corners. Uh-huh. There's no decorations throughout Buckkeep, basically. It's described as a lot of stone. Mm-hmm. There's reeds on the floor. There's reeds on the floor. <laughs> uh, Fitz and puppies are playing underneath the tables and just grabbing from the tables and eating under there, and that's generally allowed. Mm-hmm. It's such a, such a weird juxtaposition with the image i always have in my head of buckheap as like oh this is the center of the story it's a fort uh-huh. it's a castle it's a kingdom <laughs> big and impressive castle <laughs> and it's really just a stone a stone room with yeah a bunch of animals running through yes yeah not very clean <laughs> i'm sure it's cleanish cleanish yeah <laughs> sure so Fitz is plundering food with the dogs with several puppies, which sounds like a great morning, if you ask me. Um, And we see that he notes that he's not trying to get close to any of the dogs, even though he wants to and he doesn't understand why Bjork thinks it's so bad. But he specifically says, I would not risk the life of a puppy to dispute it with him. So I think it's pretty noble that he even though he wants he's so lonely and he's craving a connection and dogs just come the most naturally to him he's not letting himself connect to any of the dogs just because he would rather not let one another die just to have a little bit less loneliness for a time so i thought that was a little sweet if yeah. not super sad yeah a little bit of both yeah. That's uh, most of these books. Yep. <laughs> a little sweet, a lot of sad. You know? <laughs> Backdrop of sadness. Yep. And he hears some footsteps and darts out to grab some more food in case it's the servants clearing away <laughs> the extra food. Which but is a great move. Right. Smart. But it's not servants. It's the old king, the, his grandfather, and a step behind him, Regal. <laughs> Who doesn't look put together for once. Yeah. And uh, the king's new fool. Yes. As well. So we get an introduction to uh, uh, two new characters. Mm-hmm. We've heard about both of them. Well, no, this is the we... first time we heard about the fool. Yes. But we knew he popped in earlier. Yeah. Um, but we've heard about the king before. And this is our first introduction to Shrewd in the first person rather mm-hmm. than through other people. Right. And I just want to quick go into some ages before we dive into what they talk about Mm -hmm. Uh, it says the old king my grandfather himself and i got a few of these ages from reddit with the help of some usernames i'll point out here so if you assume that shrewd had chivalry when he was about 18 or so 18 or 20 sure and then chivalry had fits when he was 20 then Shrewd would be 38 years older than Fitz. And Fitz's age is about nine at the youngest. So uh, Shrewd has to be at least like 47 right now. It's like 47 to 50, something like that. Right. And I want to thank uh, Matt Gopak on Reddit. There were comments two years ago on uh, reddit.com <laughs> slash uh, Robin Hobb that helped me out like, kind of figure that out as well. And if you think about the Fool's Age, there was a conversation between Liveship Paragon, great username, (laughs) 
and become an astronaut in a conversation I read as well that helped me kind of backtrack on that. So in The Tawny Man, he mm-hmm. mentions to Bits and Night Eyes that he is older than both of them combined. Right. At the time, Fitz is about 35. Night Eyes is about 16 to 18. Wow, okay. So he's like real old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that there is like a 15-year gap between the end of Assassin's Quest and the beginning of Tawny Man. Mm-hmm. So at that time, the fool has to be about uh, 50-ish, at least 50. And that makes him about, again, Night Eyes' age older than Fitz, about 16 to 18 years older. So at this time, the Fool is almost as old as Burek was originally when he got Fitz. He's about 25, at the very least. That's such a weird thought. I know. (laughs) I know. Because he is like a child's body right now. Because the whites, we know, age slowly. They age slowly, yeah. Yeah. Because Prill Cop, when we meet him, is, what, like 800 years old, 900 years old, something yeah, like something that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. But it was really, <laughs> I didn't think about that before, but I kind of went digging for it, and I found these threads, and it was really interesting to see that he's 25, about, <laughs> at least 25. Because he could be older than both of them combined at the, uh, in the Tawny Man trilogy, and that just creates a discrepancy there. Yeah. So... Weird. At least 25, probably older. What a strange thought. Yeah. And there's also a, uh, I think, an error on Robin Hobb's part here. Oh. It says, the king's new fool, but recently acquired. And uh, Fitz has been at Buckkeep for about three years-ish. Right. I mean, a little bit less than three years. Mm-hmm. And later on, in the very last book that Robin Hobb is written in Assassin's Fate. Uh, the fool implies that he put the thought that, that quote, don't give away what you can't use right now in case you can't use it later or something like that, that we mentioned in the first episode. Don't do what you can't undo until you think about what you can't there, do once it's it already done. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> way closer than what I had. <laughs> I'm sure it's not right either, but that's uh that's really close, actually. I think, um, but Shrewd says that to Regal about Fitz in like the first chapter of this book, mm-hmm. and in the last book, Robin Hobb writes that the fool kind of gave that idea to King Shrewd, so he had to at least have been around for three and a half years or so at Buckkeep. Yeah, and. In my eyes, that's not really newly acquired. Well, uh, because he would have been around before Fitz even came to Buck. In defense of Robin Hobb, (laughs) it could just be that publicly he's newly acquired. Although I guess he does tell Fitz in that book that you were talking about that he came to the castle trying to pretend that he was a gift from some other land. Right. But. So I guess people would have had to have seen him then. But maybe he just like newly started walking around, so it was new to Fitz. I don't I Possibly. mean or it's just a mistake. We, we do know there there's an interview out there where Robin Hobb said that the fool had one line in her outlines and he wasn't like an actual character until she actually started writing and he became more interwoven with everything. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if it, it might just be a byproduct of that. Where she wanted him introduced and like, oh, this is the newly acquired fool. And then Mm -hmm. kind of as it went on, she realized how important he was and kind of made him say those quotes. Yeah. I don't know. But I think that it doesn't quite line up with what we know of when he arrived. Fair enough. And I don't feel like doing mental gymnastics to... (laughs) To say, oh, he was there, but hiding in the shadows kind of thing. Yeah, that's fair. For me, I think that's it's just a slight error. Not not too bad. Just a little no. comment. Yeah. But it has a description of him where he's super pale. He's in black and white motley. and He was so strange a creature. So strange a creature. 
we get uh, King Shrewd talking to Regal, and I sectioned off this quote here that throughout these whole pages, King Shrewd is desperately trying to teach Regal about leadership yes. and kingship and ruling in general. And some of that um, Regal is King Shrewd's favorite kind of comes through here. I'm sure Shrewd taught his sons about ruling, and I'm sure he taught chivalry a lot. But you never really see these one-on-one conversations between him and Verity ever. Yeah. And this is like the only teaching that we see Shrewd doing. And it's, it's desperately trying to get through Regal's hungover skull of how to use everything that you're given. I wonder if the reason that people think that he's the favorite is because he's doing all this teaching. But I think that Shrewd is a clever person and he knows the type of woman that Regal's mother is and can tell that his mother has had a big influence on who he's becoming. And so maybe he didn't always care too much about what Regal was doing and now realizes that maybe to a young man getting it in his head that he deserves to be king more than the other people who are in line is a little bit too dangerous and he needs to try to change that course before it gets too far that's also definitely true because yeah. that comes out in another page or two as well there's more mm-hmm. quotes to support that yeah um, and just Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> regal. Regal. <laughs> My mother, the queen, will hear about this farseer. <laughs> so Shrewd tries to get Regal to consider everything given to him. It says, an opportunity presents itself and someone seizes it. Often someone young or someone driven by the energies and hungers of youth. Royalty has no leisure to ignore such opportunities or to let them be created for others. And he's obviously talking right after Fitz jumps out from underneath the table and startles him. He's talking about Fitz at Regal and then kind of whirls around and commands Regal to look at Fitz (laughs) and says, what will you make of him? And Regal is very confused and he's like, it's the Fitz, not even Fitz, the the Fitz. Fitz. It's, It's just the title. Chivalry's bastard, sneaking and thieving as always. And he thinks that chivalry is there to steal whatever the royalty can give him because that's what his mother told him i bet Mm -hmm. so uh king shrewd says the fool and we get a (laughs) the fool standing next to him like smiling up at him because he thinks he's being addressed but we know he's calling regal a fool (laughs) Uh and there's a really long paragraph here there's a lot of that that i want to read out but (laughs) I will read most of this quote here as well because it it really shows the depth of what shrewd is. He is shrewd. Like he he fully lives up to that magic farseer name where he is a very crafty individual and has gotten this far by being yeah. incredibly intelligent. Are your ears stopped with wax? Do you hear nothing I say? I asked you not what do you make of him, but what will you make of him? There he stands, young, strong, and resourceful. His lines are every bit as royal as yours, for all that he was born on the wrong side of the sheets. So what will you make of him? A tool? A weapon? A comrade? An enemy? Or will you leave him lying about for someone else to take up and use against you? And Regal is just, he's so confused by this. It's like, he's only a kid. And the king's like, yeah. (laughs) He can learn a lot right now. <laughs> well, also, I think it's interesting that the king points out that Fitz is just as royal as you, Regal. Like, you are not any better than him. The only difference is um, you're legitimate and he's not. And I think he was trying to get him to understand that, like, he's not any better than his brothers either. Like, <laughs> there, there's no such thing as, like, a better you're not better because your mom was a duchess before this like if your mom had you out of wedlock you'd be just the same as fits there i just think that regal probably missed that but maybe didn't the little dig that fits is just as royal as you <laughs> this is where i think regal's hatred of fits really sinks in because He's embarrassed by the king right in front of Fitz, and he doesn't like that. True. 
And Shrewd continues on saying he could be a henchman, a diplomat. Uh, he, he could be used in hostage exchanges, marital alliances, quiet work, the diplomacy of the knife. And basically says he can, he's royal blood, but he's not of the royal family. He can be used for anything. Shrewd sees Fitz as a tool first and family second. Yes. It's not because he's a mean guy, but it's because he's shrewd. He literally lives up to his name. Right. And Regal is finally kind of getting into his head like, oh, we're, we're actually discussing this. Why, why are you saying this right in front of him that you're going to use him? Yeah. Well, because Regal is a man of just kind of, I don't want to say trickery, but just kind of backstabby, go behind the back, talk crap about people when they're not around. He does everything. He's very insidious. Yes. He doesn't ever do anything face on. He, he's never just outright with what he wants or what he wants you to do for him. And so he cannot fathom why his father would straight up be like, yeah, no, we could totally use this kid. He's like, you can't say that part out loud, dad. (laughs) And he's like, of course I'm saying it out loud. This kid's going to remember this. Yeah. I hope he remembers this. (laughs) Because I want him to understand why I'm about to train him in everything. Mm -hmm. And then we get the full scene of Shrewd giving him the pin, making him promise. That he would come to him if anyone tried to buy him or Which anything like that. Feels like not very legally binding because <laughs> <laughs> he's a minor without his parent present. <laughs> closest kin, grandfather, you know. Uh, he drew a pin from the folds of silk at his throat and solemnly pushed it through the simple wool of my shirt. Now you are mine, he said, and made that claiming of me more important than any blood we shared. Just quick side note. Has he always worn this pin or did he just that's just what he had on him today? Was he waiting for the opportunity to give it to Fitz? Like, I don't think he was ever intended for Fitz. (laughs) He just like, "Mm, I need something. Ah, perfect. I'm wearing a pin. Here you go. (laughs) I mean, the king's got to have manservants. He probably set out a full outfit for him and it kind of matched (laughs) what he was wearing, whatever cape he was wearing that day. Right. (laughs) So. Yeah, and now uh, the king has given him this. He's made Fitz promise to come to him if he needs anything, that sort of thing, kind of binding him to his needs. Like, I am responsible for you now, but you have to come to me if any, there's any issues, and I will fix it for you. Kind of buys him. But this whole time, they're staring each other in the eyes. They are sizing each other up. And this is a nine-year-old kid with his grandfather kneeling in front of him, giving him a pen, making him promise these things. And his grandfather is skilling at him as well. Yeah. And we don't know exactly what he skilled I was Fitz. just going to ask, like, what, what do you think he did? I feel like he skilled loyalty into Fitz. Maybe not for the whole bloodline. Maybe just for himself or the king um so that whoever's king doesn't have to worry about Fitz turning around and literally stabbing them in the back um but I also wonder if it was just kind of like a feeling of fulfillment like feeling like yeah this is my purpose and that's why he finds it so hard later to get out of being an assassin or being the king's tool because he struggles with that his whole life that he doesn't want this but he can't stop doing things right that are what he was trained to be and so i wonder if it was partially that just to become a tool for the king yeah i i agree with you i don't think it's a full like you will do this now Mm -hmm. because i think that's too blunt for king shrewd king shrewd was is the last one to be fully trained at the skill. Right. And he's extremely subtle. And it says that fits. That was the first time he was manipulated by the skill at the hands of a master. Mm-hmm. So I think it was more shrewd entering his mind, feeling out all of his thoughts as he agreed and kind of 
directing them into a positive thoughts like you you said mm-hmm. and reinforcing those promises but also just getting a sense of who Fitz was and the seconds that he was agreeing and listening to that yeah and i think maybe the regret then that Fitz senses could be maybe a sense of feeling bad that this kid is so earnest and actually a really good person and probably just would have done it if he would have asked normally. And like, because, you know, he's just a good natured person and he's, or maybe it's regret because he knows that Fitz is so good natured and now he's going to ask him to kill people. So <laughs> my, my first thought, it, cause the quote is, ah, he softly, he said softly. And I sensed a trace of regret in his voice and wondered what it was for. My first thought was that, was that he kind of regretted having to scale at a family member to secure these promises. But now that I'm thinking about it, it might be just the regret of letting go of the skill. Because that is a huge loss. Feeling connected, like they talk about it later in the books, and it just might be, True doesn't get to use the skill very often, and then he finally kind of sunk into the skill stream he's connected to everyone around him Mm -hmm. and then he just lets it go and he's like uh okay i don't that's it's just another thought i like that but uh (laughs) regal becomes very sulky after this and he doesn't really approve and then well, he brings his mother in. He doesn't ever say he doesn't approve. Yeah. He just says, my mother, the queen, would not approve. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that means he doesn't approve, but he won't say that. <laughs> Favoring the boy will only make it appear you recognize him. It will give him ideas and others. And the king fully shrugs off any of the queen's bad judgments or thoughts or anything. He specifically says, I scarcely notice it anymore, Regal. She will flap and squawk. (laughs) I don't care if your mom's mad, okay? I'm the king. (laughs) Which is a shortcoming on his part. Yes, that is true. He's underestimating her. Yes, severely underestimating her. She is the one that poisons chivalry. Or kills chivalry. I I shouldn't say poison because we don't know. Yeah. How he died technically, but um yeah. No, he specifically says that her ambitions have always exceeded her abilities. In royalty, that is the most lamentable failing. Yes. And that is double-edged sword talking about her and pointedly looking at Regal while he's saying that. Mhm. Do not let your ambitions exceed your abilities. My youngest third son. (laughs) (laughs) Who is not going to get my throne. (laughs) But uh, he also acknowledges, like, Regal is so stupid in this conversation. Right. The king is talking about how the queen has these treasonous thoughts and wants to become a duchess of uh, Tilith and Pharaoh and they'll rise up against the kingdom. And Regal adds in, and I as king after her... And it just admits right out there that he has also been kind of indoctrinated against the Six Duchies Kingdom and the yes. King Shrewd. And he's like, yes, I thought she had planted such festering treason in your mind. Like, what? I just don't understand. He has the best teachers. How is he this dumb yes. and this petty? But also... His mom must be so bad. So horrible. I'm His so mom, glad we don't get to see her in the ugh, books. I know. She's got to be trash. But, like, how, I just don't understand how he is able to continue living, or, you know, <laughs> like, they have the assassin, Shade is in the wall somewhere, like, they know that Regal is literally having treason, uh, treason talks with his mom, like, they're talking about him becoming king instead of the rightful heir, like, how is that not a threat to the whole royal family? And I don't know. I just feel like he's such a threat this whole time. And they could have nullified it way earlier. And instead, he just gets to continue. There's no punishment. He doesn't. I mean, he's still later. family. Yeah. That's, I mean, Verity says that, too, in a couple parts in the series where Fitz wants to kill Regal and Verity's like, 
don't do that. Help me. Don't kill Regal. Like, but also, if, like, Shade or Fitz were to, you know, do something like that or say, I could be king if I got enough supporters from this area, like, they would be killed. And so why is it any different if Regal, the third born of a second wife... Because he has value. <laughs> Chivalry guess. is now abdicated. He's no longer of the royal family. Regal is the one that can be married off for agreements, and he can be a diplomat. Well, why doesn't he just want to get married off to be a king somewhere else? Like, Because <laughs> he wants this <laughs> land. This land is rightfully his. It just, ugh. I don't know. I... Regal just makes me very angry. <laughs> and then they, they, they walk away. The king and Regal and the fool walk away, but before they completely close the door, the fool looks back, waggles his tongue, does a little gesture with his hands, and then... <laughs> what do you think the gesture is? I don't know, honestly. It gives him the middle finger. <laughs> no, I don't think it's that. I think it's... I like to think that it's like, you know, like the double-hand bird... Where you like flat mm. maybe or something? I don't know. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. That's like a weird gesture. That's <laughs> <and laughs> what I always picture, I guess. But uh, it says that he waggles his tongue, and that he, the fool does that a couple times. And if you remember in the last series, B has trouble talking, mm. and she has to follow her dreams to get her tongue cut, basically, and yeah. loose so she can speak, like, regular... Mm-hmm. The common language of the six duchies, I should say. Yeah. And I feel like that's just evidence that the fool has had that done in the past, that his huh. tongue is free. It's just kind of like a passing thought. Interesting. He must have had that, too, because he's also a white. She was a white. Yeah. Like, they had the same huh. physiology. Yeah. I like that train of thought. And since he's, you know, 25 years old, at least, he had to have it when he was a kid. So. <laughs> yeah, true. Weird. Um, but as they walk off, I thought it was pretty funny that instead of doing anything about what just happened, Fitz just runs over and <laughs> stuffs his shirt full of sweet cakes. He's like, well, that was weird. All right. Sweet cakes time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Man after my own heart. <laughs> so he goes back to Birik's house and it kind of comes to a head where Birik's like, oh gosh, you, you brought attention to yourself. Now it's all happening. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Birik is kind of scared at the future now. Yeah. It says in the early in the early chapter that both of them had fallen into a rhythm, mm -hmm. that both of them had gotten used to life, that both of them had become comfortable with one another and what they were doing. And now there's a whole wrench in it. Everything's going to change. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of reflects in a couple of the times that Burek speaks. And the first time is like, <laughs> he's silent and just focuses all of his attention on Fitz. And he's like, so... Yeah. So you did this. <laughs> Things are going to be different. Yeah. And of course, he starts with talking about the horse. Yep, of course. <laughs> of course, of course, the horse. <laughs> and uh, he gets to ride Sooty later on and gets trained up in horses. And then Birik talks about how he'll have to talk more in general. Yep. <laughs> and that he's going to get tutored. And also learn the way a man's way of controlling beasts and how to use hound dogs and things like that. Ain't nothing but hound dogs. <laughs> and then he's going to learn swords as well and weapons in general. And Beric says, he's not a man to displease, talking about the king, let alone cross. Wisest course of all is not to have him notice you. But I didn't warn you about that, and now it's too late. And then he pauses clears his throat and suddenly takes a breath and says there's another thing that's to change you're gonna have a room to yourself in the keep yeah and then he tries to be like 
you know brush it off brush it off like it's not a big deal to him like he finally gets his privacy back and oh he just wants to make it seem like it's a good thing and like it's he's okay with it because he's the adult and has to make it seem better for the child yeah and and fitz is like i don't want a room up there Beric says well you're 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 taking the room because the king is giving it to you (laughs) well Well, whenever he says, I don't want a room, he's like, oh, so you can speak. Like, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he says, uh, Fitz talks again, like the second or third line. The, the second line besides, yes, sir. Yes. And Beric lifted his eyes and regarded me sternly. My, my, positively chatty tonight, aren't we? <laughs> Literally two lines. How quiet is that room for the past three years? Right. At night. You know, Burek's too awkward to try to make conversation with Fitz because he feels bad about getting nosy away from him. Yeah. And so he's not going to try to. He thinks I'll let Fitz come to me. But Fitz is like, I don't need to talk. (laughs) I'll just sit here and listen to your feelings all night, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) But they they go back and forth that Fitz isn't a stray pup. Burek's not a stray pup. But the stray pup got sent along with a familiar thing, an old shirt. Why do I have to have all this change all of a sudden? And it's, I think it's sad because Fitz really thinks that Burek isn't trying, didn't try to stand up for him or Burek doesn't care that he's leaving. And I think that's more why Fitz is upset a little bit, maybe not more, but he's a little bit upset that Burek doesn't seem to care. And then Burek has to like, Try not to be like, of course I don't want you to leave. Because he would never spell his feelings. Because right. feelings aren't for men. What? <laughs> but. <laughs> but yeah, he says, like, you can come and sleep here once in a while if you if it feels too yeah. empty in the keep. Mm. And pretty much everything in those pages, I just want to point out, was describing Fitz as a puppy or a dog. Yeah. yeah. That just kind of continues. That's their relationship. It's a, Yeah. It's well, a puppy and a master. He's been taking care of Fitz for almost three years now. Yep. And I'm sure he's come to love Fitz. Oh, yeah. Because how could you not? First of all, Fitz is amazing, even if he's a little Precious dense. little boy. <laughs> but I don't know. He Fitz treats the animals well, and he's a quick learner, and he tries to, you know, work. He doesn't need... It doesn't seem like he needs too much scolding to do what he needs to be doing. And Fitz came at a time when everything was changing and nothing was really constant or steady. And then he had Fitz. And now it's gotten steady Uh again. And now it's changing again. Yeah. Just rocking the boat. I don't have too much specifically over the next few pages. Is there anything you want to touch on? Do you want me to do a quick rundown until he gets to... A certain um so i just want to say that i think it's really funny that um the next morning when he gets up he gets tubbed and scrubbed (laughs) (laughs) true i had to point that line out because i laughed at that and i just tubbed and scrubbed that's what i'm gonna say anytime i need to get ready for work like gotta go get tubbed and scrubbed I don't know. I just thought like it was how it's weird. a significant event that he has to get. <laughs> like, does he shower often? Yeah. <laughs> or I guess no, not shower. You don't shower. He's but... a ten-year-old kid. He doesn't shower Ew. or bathe. Come well, on. he should. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting with the soldiers and with Beric and the horses and the leather and the oil smells and He's, stuff. Maybe that's why the kids in the keep didn't want to hang out with him. <laughs> <laughs> he just smells bad all the time. <laughs> Um, but I do think that it's interesting that whenever he gets to Sooty, he tries to conceal his disappointment because he's a he's a young boy and he kind of wanted a like, you know, a he's charger. getting a horse. Yeah. He's going to get a big, strong steed. And then Burek is like, you don't think she's much, do you? Well, how much of a horse did you have yesterday, Fitz? <laughs> It's such a parent thing. It is such a parent thing. You're going to complain about this horse? You didn't have one yesterday. How are you going to complain? On what grounds? So we got some uh, training. Mm-hmm. But I do want to quick point out that this is Cobb's horse. Yeah. Not only is this a horse, like just some random well, it was pregnant horse. The horse that 
he was training. Yes, and well, it's, yeah. Took care of. So Cobb didn't own the horse, right. but Cobb had been training this horse for a really long time mm-hmm. and is very upset. Understandably so. He gets to start over with the fool that she has, but yeah. still, it's that's another reason that resentment kind of just sinks in mm-hmm. at multiple directions towards Fitz. Yes. Also, Sooty doesn't seem to have knowledge of the wit or to really show any interest in making any sort of connection wit-wise, which hasn't happened to Fitz before, I assume, because he rides her blind and he doesn't know. It sounds like from the description that he hasn't had to deal with an animal not reciprocating the reach out before. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it said, uh, her temperament and mine reminded me of a quiet pond. If she had thoughts, they were not about what we were doing. And Burek was watching me too closely for me to try uh, knowing her mind. So, yeah, he, he kind of kept himself to himself to, and just rode her blind because didn't want to get punished. Yeah. He got a horse at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have horse training. He's exhausted. They go to get food, and Birik doesn't let him eat in the kitchens anymore. Nope. He has to sit at the table. And Which, ugh, what yeah. a drag. <laughs> <laughs> and Birik sits next to him, but lower. Yeah, it's on the same side, but uh, lower on the table. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're directly next to each other, actually. It doesn't, mm-hmm. I don't, it doesn't say that they're directly next to each other. It has... Birik nudged me to a place on the left side of the table... Above the midpoint, but not by much. He himself ate on the same side, but lower. So they could be next to each other, but I don't even know if they're right next to each That's other. That's fair. I guess I just assumed they would be yeah. sitting next to each other. But at least they're still within sight so that Beric right. can like come to his rescue if he needs to. But all the proprieties of a, of a royal court. You have to take your mm-hmm. rank and sit where you're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But they... Uh, but they eat, and a errand boy, Brant, comes up to Ugh. them and says he's going to take them to Hod. Birik straightens his hair and says Hod's a, <laughs> a harsher <laughs> uh, task. Uh, what's, what's the actual word? A harsher, uh, a master stricter than Birik. Because later, Fitz doesn't know whether she's a woman or a man. She is, he assumes that uh, she's a man. Because it's learning swords. Yeah. And all that Fitz knows and is soldiers. And then it's soldiers. a woman. <laughs> Heck yeah. But uh, he follows Brant, and Ugh. Brant is very mean and very vindictive and jealous in general. Yeah. And very gossipy. And, yeah, super gossipy. And then starts talking crap about Burek. Yeah. And little Fitz is thrown off by that. Like, he's used to people talking bad about him. Old game leg Burek. Ugh. Fitz says, the boy spoke as if Burek's limp were something foolish he did for show. For some reason, I felt stung by his mockery. Yeah. Which is fair. I mean, he definitely, this is a father figure in his life. And this guy, this kid is making fun of him for an injury that he took nobly. Like, it's not like a fake thing that he's just doing Yeah, we get the dis- fun. we get the description that he saved chivalry's life but it's making fun of him while saying that he saved his life and he calls chivalry shiv and he's very disrespectful in general towards both of them yeah and it's it's just very very rude and extremely jealous because he says all of a sudden you have to have arms training and i have a horse too now i hear yeah what's that for yeah okay bud back off like but, but Hod steps in mm-hmm. and kind of tells Brant off a little bit. And <laughs> then... It's so cool. She's so cool. Yeah, she is very cool. And then kind of tries to learn what Fitz is made out of before the other students show up. And he's not very good, obviously. Yeah. He's a 10-year-old kid against a master and <laughs> yeah. doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, before she gets teaching him like what it is yeah i just wanted to point out that she like really gives it to brant 
and is super like doesn't just take the she's giving him a lesson and whenever he's like i think i understand ma'am she's like oh you think so guess i better talk a little bit simpler you dumb idiot (laughs) (laughs) so i just i just wanted to point out that she's like show off a little bit of her because i think she's really cool her inner steel basically yeah and isn't gonna take attitude from a boy or let him get away with being a jerk yeah a 12 year old boy or however old brant is i don't think we see brant beyond this chapter again but i'm gonna keep an eye out for him and see if he's changed at all because man yeah we get our introduction to hod and she says boy what are you called and Fitz replies burek calls me Fitz," and she flinches and kind of recoils a little bit and that's the second time this chapter where we get somebody asking him name, his name, Fitz replying Fitz, and people kind of being like, what? <laughs> so while Fitz does mean illegitimate son of, it seems like it's kind of directly meaning that derogatory term. Yeah. And Birik is just calling him that. And that's kind of what Fitz takes on as his name ever after, though. So he kind of wears it, not with pride, because it still hurts him. Mm -hmm. I I know later on it still says, like, hearing, oh, your chivalry's bastard kind of hurts him still. Yeah. But Fitz itself has the sting taken out of, because that's his name. Yeah. It's a way to take ownership of a situation he's been thrust into. Yeah. But he gets a, an exercise of a lifetime. He rode horses all the morning, ate, fought all afternoon, and he's exhausted. Gets taken by Brant again and Ugh. shown various corridors of the, the palace, the mm-hmm. fortress. I like the little line where he finds out later that Brant has no idea what the king's uh quarters look like because yeah. that's for higher up lackeys the like little subtle dig at brant even all these years later <laughs> like this jerk he wasn't even that important but yeah brant seems to be pretty pleased that fitz gets a room that hasn't been used in a long yeah. time yeah Ugh. which also how big is is brant's room like it's probably still smaller than whatever Fitz has so he's but I jealous guess. it says in yes. there earlier when he drops off at uh drops Fitz off at Hod it says there was something more than jealousy in his tone I have since come to know that many men always see another's good fortune as a slight to themselves which describes Brant like yeah. to a T true Fitz does eventually recognize that which but at good. the moment it's just very cruel to a 10 year old boy yeah not quite 10 year old boy as it's said in here <laughs> he's almost 10 he's almost 10 <laughs> 10 and three quarters or nine, nine and three and quarters <laughs> so he gets to his new room and this is the room that he has throughout the rest of his time at Buckheap here mm-hmm. and we get a little introduction to king wisdom's tapestry as well yeah i could make out a gleaming and winged creature of some sort and a kingly personage in supplication before it. I was later informed it was King Wisdom being befriended by the Elderling. Do you think that this is an illustrative way trying to show King Wisdom giving himself into the dragon? He's like... Maybe, but I think... Just poorly done. This is the artist's first day. He doesn't really know... How to do the like <laughs> concepts without being he's trying a new style. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> he was a Baroque painter, but now he's trying cubism and it's just not quite, you know, working out. No, I, I think it's later explained. This is just a thought that's sticking in my head. I don't know if it's actually said in the books or not, or if I just <laughs> think this is headcanon. Uh-huh. But I'm pretty sure because King Wisdom carved a stone dragon. Not and and he said he was going up here to like find elderlings to help. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same thing as Verity's story, where no one really knows what he did. Right. And when the dragon flew over, and they said those were the elderlings, they're still taking memories from the people that they fly over. Yeah, they're not flying over as much. So they don't take as much. But I think that story got obfuscated in general and just right. got confused. 
That's fair. That is fair because everybody thinks that Verity died in battle. Yeah, yeah. He so, died finding them, but like, or no, he either. There's two stories. I think one he died finding them and, and agreed that they would help, and the other one that he because people agreed to stay as long as they helped the six duchies or something like that. I just remember that there's like people remember him stepping off of a dragon like he was riding a dragon and he mm, yeah. stepped off of it to do something so like i remember that one of the stories people like think they saw him which isn't possible but that's but, also the main point is that there yeah. are multiple stories and no one really knows the whole thing right and they call it befriending the elderling and obviously this is a picture of a dragon and not an elderling in general mm-hmm. it's just the whole story is confused and that's right. Honestly, the main point of this first trilogy yeah. is to introduce us to those concepts. Yeah. Do you think, um, just a random thought, but do you think elderlings still existed around, near around the time of King Wisdom? Or do you think that there was like writing about them and so they knew? Because how did they know the name the elderlings? Because that's really what they're called. So, like, were there just a few left and they were dying? I think so. I think at that point, I think the earthquake that sundered Kelsingra had happened. That it, yeah. it broke that city and, they, and some fled. But I think King Wisdom had older documents of people carving those, the skill stone. Right. Yeah, because it would have been in the... Um, Skill scrolls. Yeah, in later. general, those yeah. stone dragons and things like that. So I think he had knowledge of the elderlings, at least knew of them. I don't think he ever met any of them, but they knew that that happened, that they could carve dragons. Because mm-hmm. the, um, uh, the, the old counting song, The Hill to Jampe, and it's talking about all the coteries going up and carving the skill yes. stones later. Uh-huh. Wisdom is one of those, uh-huh. and there must have been other stories and other coteries that went with yeah. them later. Because there's that whole field. Yeah, of them, and I mean right? later coteries. Kettle is from a later coterie. Mm-hmm. They went to carve a dragon without kettle, but they went to carve yeah. a dragon. So I, I feel like they did know about, at the very least, that that was a thing that they could do mm-hmm. to help. And I'm guessing that they got most of that knowledge from maybe ancient scrolls mentioning that the elderlings were also right. skilled in manipulating the stone and, and skill in general. Mm-hmm. That's my thoughts anyway. I think I think wisdom had some knowledge. Fair. Okay. We just get a quick description of Fitz's room and how he goes to bed, basically. Is there anything you want to touch on in these last couple pages? I just want to talk about how Fitz is like excited to own a chair <laughs> and a <laughs> yeah. bench with a, cu- a cushion. Um, I thought that was kind of cute and a little sad, just that it's a place that's all his, which he's never had before. Yeah, and he, he's kind of thinking about what Burek would be doing down in the stables, but he's also way too exhausted to stay up and think about that consistently. Yeah. So, And he, mi- he misses the smell yeah. of stuff which is kind of dog-like but um i mean i probably wouldn't want to sleep somewhere that smelled like dank stone and dust so (laughs) i mean to be fair i also wouldn't want to sleep in a place that smelled like leather oil and beeric himself because beeric probably (laughs) stinks true (laughs) if it's got tubbed and scrubbed well they do have the uh they do have the saunas that's true which is yeah those would be pretty And nice. I can't imagine the that Burek would, like, have bad hygiene. Probably not good, but probably well, not bad. No. I, go, I, <laughs> I guess. I mean, he has to take care of his animals, and you know washing right. animals is, like, a good practice, so. Hopefully he would also. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And Fitz, at the end of this chapter, says he idly wished for something else, for any situation that was neither this forsaken chamber nor the tenseness of Beric's room. For a restfulness that perhaps I had once known somewhere else, but could no longer recall. And he went into oblivion, he fell asleep. Yeah. And that's what Fitz is chasing his whole life, I think. Yeah. Is that feeling of restfulness. That's why he has a cabin in the middle of 
the woods near Forge yeah. later on in the series, that's what he wants. He doesn't want to be a tool. He doesn't want to have some place that people are resentful and jealous of him. He just wants to be there yeah. and exist. He's looking for his wolf. He wants to live in the present. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- there's a lot that happens over this chapter. It spans three years for him, basically. Yeah. And there's a lot of change. It's a very quick introduction to Fitz. We start with him just two chapters ago at six years old and getting introduced to mm-hmm. Burek and Verity, and now he's starting to get trained and lives in the keep. So, quick transitions. Yeah, to show us more of what is coming later and what he becomes. And I don't know, I just really like the way that we see how he finds a rhythm. Every time it feels like he finds a rhythm, everything kind of changes. Yeah. And and that continuously happens. Yep. Honestly. Yeah. I feel but, it's pretty reminiscent of real life too. I mean yeah. things always happen to change your situation at the present. Mm-hmm. Take our current situation. <laughs> yeah. But we're making the best of it, making more episodes, so. Yeah. Do you think Fitz is content in this chapter? There's a lot of time to cover here. Yeah. Is he um, happy? Ooh. I don't know. I want to say no. I think there are probably, I mean, it's three years. There's no way that he doesn't feel happiness even once. Oh, sure. I mean, he gets but, to hang out with his friends once in a while. Yeah. He gets to play with dogs and yeah. learn about animals. But he never feels a bond with anyone. He doesn't ever right. feel like he belongs. And in one part somewhere, it says that he doesn't love Burek, that he yeah. respects Burek. He depends and on him. Depends and he's on Burek. Comfortable there. Yes, but. but he doesn't love him. And I just feel like, you know, somebody who is missing that in their life probably isn't overall very happy. It's kind of like what we said earlier in the episode that this whole series is a background of sadness with bursts of happiness. And I feel like that's this chapter too. It's yeah. just a background of sadness and he yeah. gets momentary bursts of good things happening to him Mm -hmm. like eating a bunch of pies (laughs) but even that from the festival and then getting (laughs) a stomach ache (laughs) stomach ache all day long which is such a a little kid thing to happen just like oh i'm gonna eat all this halloween candy and now i'm gonna be sick for two days (laughs) thank you for joining us for chapter three Look forward to hearing from you guys on all of our social media. We're at IsFitzHappy on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Yeah, and if you want to contact us more directly, you can email us at IsFitzHappy at gmail.com. Of course, and uh, feel free to check out our website, subscribe to any of your favorite podcasts, um, apps. So you can listen to our beautiful voices. Yes. Right, isfitshappy.com. Yeah.